right? There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of fear when it comes to that. There's a lot of maybe thinking that, will my friends think I'm weird? Will I hurt relationships? Will I maybe uh, mess something up? Like, um, maybe I'll present something wrong. And today, um, we're going to talk about that. There's, again, there's a lot of, a lot of people think evangelism, they're like, I do not want to do that. And so, um, when I look to how to evangelize, how to teach the gospel to other people, I always love the fact that we are given examples in the Bible of how to do it well. We're not just here to try out on our own and just see, like, see what works. We actually have examples um, from the book we're looking at today, which is Acts, and we have examples of the apostles evangelizing and being Bible explainers, which is a passion of mine, right? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, Before we start, I also wanted to mention that today we're going to be talking about um, the book of Acts, right? And I wanted to sell you guys on the fact that I think that it is so important to read at some point in your life to do a serious study of Luke and Acts because um, these books, first of all, if you read them, it's a lot of words. There's the highest word count, I believe, of any gospel is Luke. And it's a lot of material, but it is so impactful and it is such an amazing explanation of salvation, of the fact that God promised in the Old Testament that he would send a Messiah to be salvation for the world. And Luke Acts explains this so well. And other than that, Luke Acts really highlights what I like to call just Bible explaining, right? There's a lot of instances where, whether it be Jesus, whether it be Peter, whether it be Philip, whether it be Paul, which we're talking about today, that these Acts and Luke really covers the Old Testament Bible explains. So um, I believe it's also very impactful for what our study of Romans, right? Someday my dad will return to finish his series. And when that happens, I, I want us to just remember that Romans sometimes explains the difficult concepts, right? It spends chapters talking about this Jew-Gentile relationship. And if you have not read Luke-Acts, you may ask yourself, like, why, like, why is this important for me? And so when I began studying Luke and Acts, it really helped me. I, I read Romans. I was like, wow, like, I'm seeing things I've never seen before. So that's part of the reason I chose this passage, uh, both for the evangelism purpose and hopefully helping your Romans study out a little bit. I'm just trying to be a help to everyone. So that being said, let's turn to Acts chapter 28. We're going to start in verse 17 today. This is the last recorded section of Acts. So the last recorded narrative in the Bible where Paul ends this book by preaching, by evangelizing to the Jewish leaders in Rome. And so today we're going to look at that. We are going to see how to Bible explain how to be an evangelist and how Paul really evangelizes to people that he's extremely close with and has a close connection with. So, if you could, we're going to be in Acts, chapter 28. We're going to start in verse 17. So it says this, After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or against the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. 
When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, but there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I've asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain." And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you on what your views are. For with this regard to this sect, we know that that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging. In greater numbers, from morning until evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God, and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved, and disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For the people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal him. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense. And welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Uh, Let's start our time by just opening in a word of prayer that we might understand this story of Paul um, trying to convince the Jews of salvation. And hopefully we can change and apply it to our lives. So, dear Lord... Thank you for this day. I thank you so much for being gracious to us in, first of all, giving the opportunity to share the gospel, and second of all, giving us the just example from the life of Paul, Lord, from his ministry and acts, Lord. I pray that we would understand. I pray, pray that we would see this example, and I pray that we would share Jesus with the people around us, Lord, that we would boldly proclaim uh, the gospel to people that are close to us. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so let's talk more about uh, Luke Acts and why we should read this and what is kind of the point. What, what, is, uh, what are these two books trying to explain to us? And um, if we'll start, we're going to turn to a lot of verses today, so you can turn to them if you want. Um, they will be up on the screen. So we're going to start out in Luke chapter 2. We're going to be in verse 29 through 32. This is the, a quote of Simeon as he meets Jesus for the first time. And he says this, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. And you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So this is a quote that actually takes... Uh, it's, it's actually a uh, mix of different quotes in the Old Testament, mainly from Isaiah. But a couple important themes come out of this. One is that when you read Luke Acts, you need to realize that this is an explanation of salvation. This is the word that's used for it. Uh, it's that because of 
what happens in these books. Because of Jesus dying on the cross, we can have salvation. And then we see in Acts, it's this act of salvation being proclaimed to the world. And then it says this, uh, and interesting, it says this, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So it gives us this distinction between the chosen people Israel who were given the oracles of God and the Gentiles and how they both are, uh, in this case, given salvation, given the opportunity of salvation. So um, another interesting thing that I see from this is it's actually very similar to Romans 1.16. Um, if you have that up on the screen, Romans 1.16 says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. And this is the explanation of the gospel that Romans 1.16 gave. It says this, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So it uses the same language from Luke where the gospel is that salvation has been given to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And that is super interesting because it seems as if Romans is almost meant to be an explanation of everything that goes on in Luke Acts. So um, let's also turn to Luke 24 verses 45 and 48. This really helps us understand what's going on in the book of Acts and how the gospel is proclaimed in Acts. So this is Jesus right before he ascends to heaven after his death And Luke 24, verse 45, it says this, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it it is written that Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. So there's a, there's a few important things here. First of all, we see one of our, our, our favorite types of stories, which is Jesus explaining the Bible, right? He's explaining the Old Testament. He's explaining that it has already been written in the Old Testament that Christ should be the agent of salvation to the world. Um, he preaches that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, and that's that's really talking about the gospel. It's talking about the reception of the gospel, that uh, through faith and repentance, we can receive this salvation. We can be saved, as the Bible teaches. And then it says, should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So not only was Christ prophesied in the Old Testament, but the proclamation of salvation was prophesied in the Old Testament. Even the idea that salvation would extend past the Jews and be brought to the Gentiles as as well. Also explained in the Old Testament. And then it says, you're witnesses of these things, which is a common way of talking uh, talking about the gospel, right? And I think that's an important aspect to get as an evangelist, is that we are witnesses of these things. If you ever have heard someone give a testimony, that kind of comes from there, because we are witnessing, we are testifying of the salvation of God. We are explaining to people that God has, put, uh, God has given us mercy, God has given us salvation, and that is really who we are to be, right? That's our calling, and uh, I think we overcomplicate it sometimes. Sometimes we, we think that um, we, 
we are more than just people who explain what God has done to us. Sometimes we, we think like, oh, I don't have every verse in the Bible memorized. I'm not, you know, super equipped socially. I am, uh, I, I'm not worthy of being an evangelist. But as Jesus puts it, he's saying you are witnesses of these things. It's God's power. Um, it's God's glory that will be had. And so we are just to witness. That's just what, that's, that's the mindset we're to have in being evangelists. And this really outlines what Acts is all about. So gospel message is shared through the Acts of Christ. Um, and this proclamation is sent by the disciples, the apostles, um, sent to the entire world. And so we get to our passage of the day. We get to Acts 28. This is near the end of the narrative of the proclamation of the gospel. We have Paul ending the book of Acts with an appeal, an explanation to his Jewish, uh, to the Jewish leaders in Rome, trying to explain to them why the gospel of Jesus is true. So um, there's three sections of the passage we're going to talk about today. The first one is Paul's appeal to the Jews. Uh, The second one is Paul's explanation of Scripture. And the third is Paul's proclamation of the gospel. So this is how I divide up this section. And um, it's very interesting to point out that Paul, even though he may be speaking to people who he's never met before, this is a group of people who is very important to them, to him. And that is, uh, it kind of adds weight to the passage. So Acts 28. Verse 17, it says this, After three days he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I have done nothing wrong against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there is no reason for the death penalty in my case. But the Jews objected, and I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken anything about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to the sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. So Paul, he begins by appealing to the Jewish leaders in the Roman area, and he's basically explaining to them, first of all, that he is primarily a Jew, meaning that he is not pushing back against any of the customs of old, and he's not anti-Jewish uh, religion, and he is um, extremely qualified to speak to them, sp- specifically about the Old Testament So, a couple qualifications of Paul, meaning, why is Paul the perfect evangelist uh, or explainer of Scripture in this situation? Um, There's two reasons. One is that Paul was a Pharisee. Even prior to accepting Jesus as God, Paul was a Pharisee, meaning that um, we hear the Pharisees spoken of a lot in the Gospels as being condemned by Jesus because of their lack of true belief. But the Pharisees... We, they were experts in the law and the prophets. 
Um, and they were able, uh, a lot of them probably had most of the Old Testament memorized. If you look at Acts 22, verse 3, Acts says that he, it says this, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicilia and was brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as of you all are to this day. So the idea is that if you were to speak to the Jewish leaders in Rome, Paul explains that he is an expert in Old Testament law, and he was trained by Gamaliel, which means this is a Pharisee that was the best of the best. So if Paul was to mention this name to the Jewish leaders in Rome, they would have been very impressed. They would have been like, this guy knows what he's talking about. This guy is an expert in scripture. And the second reason that he was qualified was because of his love for the Jewish nation. So if you're really thinking about, like, what does an amazing evangelist look like? First of all, knowledgeable about the scriptures, nearly an expert. Second of all, he had love for the Jewish nation. Um, In uh, Romans chapter 9, starting in verse 2, he says this, "...that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I wish that I myself could be accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh." This is one of the most extreme wordings of love that you can see in Scripture, because he says that I wish that I could be separated from Christ, that I could be sent to hell only if my Jewish kinsmen would accept the gospel. This is how deeply he wants these Jewish leaders to accept the gospel. This is the type of emotion and the type of weight that's in this conversation. So he's not only an expert, but he deeply loves the Jewish nation. And in this section of verses, um, he says this, for this reason, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. So this is a super common theme in Luke Acts that is pointing to the hope of Israel in the Old Testament, that Israel was promised a Messiah. Israel was promised hope in the spite of a, diff, in a desperate situation. And Jesus Christ was the hope that they were looking for. And I think that's, that's a pretty, I think sometimes as Christians, we frame ourselves in a way that, say we talk to someone who is a believer in the, the Jewish religion right now today, who does not accept Christ, but accepts the Old Testament I think the key area that we need to understand is that we actually hold to the Old Testament as 100% inspired as well, and we believe that the Jewish people actually misunderstand their own Bible. We actually believe that so many areas point to Jesus as Messiah, so many areas back up the New Testament, and the idea is that the gospel is clearly found in the Old Testament as well, that if you're speaking to someone who is a believer in the Jewish religion, you could completely explain the gospel using their own Bible. And this is really what Paul is here to do, which makes it so interesting, is that he's, he's here to explain what the theme of Luke Acts is, which is that salvation that has been promised from old is here, and it is in the person of Jesus. So Paul gathers them, and he explains the scriptures to them. Let's look at Acts 28, starting in verse 23. It says this, When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers, and from morning till evening he expounded to them 
testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them that Jesus was both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, and they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart, and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. So I find it I find it very interesting. If you ever had someone in your life, like let's just say you have someone in your life who's maybe like an atheist, and you're talking about the gospel with them, and you you run into problems. Like maybe they, they ask you a question, and you're stumped, and you don't know. And you're like, man, I wish I had... Like, you know, I, I wish I could just call up my pastor and have them, you know, destroy them in this argument. Or, I wish I had a smarter pastor, you know. Uh, like, whatever the case may be, right? You may think, like, if I had more intellect, if I had more knowledge of the scripture, I could beat them in this argument. The strange thing here is that I don't think maybe anyone in history besides Jesus himself could beat Paul in this Old Testament argument. This was probably the most convincing explanation of Scripture that has ever been seen, right? So it says this, from morning till evening, he expounded to them. So it's really the the word for explanation. It's the word for he is explaining the Old Testament Scripture, not the New Testament. He's explaining the Old Testament Scripture to him, to to the, the Jewish leaders, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them that Jesus was both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. So it says he tries to explain the kingdom of God, which is something that the Jews already believed in, right? They already believed that the kingdom of God was coming, right? They believed in God, but they do not believe that the kingdom of God would be ushered in by Jesus Christ, right? They, that, that is what they don't believe. And it says that Paul is trying to convince or persuade them. And so when you think about him speaking from morning till evening, it's not so much a monologue. It's not so much that, you know, he stands in front of people and just preaches. But this is the scenario of him explaining scripture. It was probably a back and forth dialogue. It was probably more of a debate. Um, the only thing different is that you would see his extreme love for the Jews. It wasn't so much a debate of trying to, you know, beat them in an argument. But it was the type of situation where he would explain something and the Jewish rabbis, who probably knew these scriptures as well, would give pushback. And this went from morning until night. And I would be so interested to see what Paul was explaining. It does not say exactly what scriptures he went to. It does say that he was explaining from both the law and the prophets. So it gives us two general sections of the Bible. But we have, we have no idea where he would go. Maybe he would go to... Um, the previously cited scriptures already in Luke Acts. Maybe he would go to the places he cited in Romans. Um, Who knows? But I would just say, like, I wish, I don't know, this is obviously a dumb wish, but like, I wish I could talk with Paul, take an Old Testament class with him, and just see what in the world he was explaining to these Jewish leaders. But we see a situation where the Bible is clearly explained, nearly perfectly, and It says this, that the gospel here is primarily rejected. 
So it says that some of them were convinced. It says that a few of them did believe. But Paul's best efforts could not convince the majority of the Jewish nation. The nation that was called by God, the nation that was very familiar with their Bible, very familiar with the Old Testament. But Paul's best efforts of love and knowledge could not change the hearts of these Jews. And so Paul responds with an Old Testament quotation that they knew. This comes from Isaiah 6. I'm going to read the Isaiah version, um, but this is in uh, verses 26 and 27 of Acts, I believe. But the Isaiah version says this, And he said to them, Go say to these people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. So this was a passage that was talking about a person in the Old Testament that they very much probably looked up to, which was Isaiah. This is the commission of Isaiah by God to be a preacher to a nation who was unrepentant. And the Jews would have known this. They would have known that Paul is referring to them as very similar to the unrepentant Jews in the time of Isaiah. Um, And they would have known this passage. And so it says that even though Paul perfectly explained this passage to them, uh, it says that the majority of the Jews rejected this gospel. And it's just, honestly, um, it's very, it's kind of a sad way to end the book, right? We have, beginning in Genesis, we have the nation forming, and we end the narrative of the, the gospels of Acts with another rejection of the Jews. Um, but if we look at Romans 11, uh, verses 2 through 6, Paul is actually talking about this rejection of the Jews. And he explains this. This is why we love Romans, because it's such a great explanation of um, everything in the Bible we have questions about. So it says this, God has not rejected his people, whom he foreknew. For do you not know that the, what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. What is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the need to Baal. So at this present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. So this passage begins, and it says that God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. But when he talks about his people, he's not talking about the nation of Israel. He is talking about those who have accepted the gospel through faith in him, right? And this book is explaining that you're not saved because of your works. You're not saved because you're a part of the nation of Israel, but you, but you are saved by faith, by grace, by the goodness of God. And it gives us an instance that is similar during the prophet Elijah's time when the Jews were rejecting God and Elijah's asking God and he's saying, where are the people who truly worship you? And God explains this. He says, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who had not bowed the knee to Baal. So at that time, there were still a remnant of people who were believing in God. And it says, so too at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. So it says this, that even in our time today, there is a remnant of those Jews 
who truly have accepted the gospel, and it says this, it is not because of them being chosen as a nation, but it is because of the grace of God, right? It's not by works, but it is by grace. And this is what is happening during Paul's teaching, is that he outlines the gospel, he explains through the Old Testament why Jesus is God, and there is only a remnant that believe. And I think that's so interesting to think about, that the Jews have primarily rejected God, and yet God has chosen a certain group of them to believe. God has kept a remnant who believes in him. And so um, it says this, Acts 28, uh, verses 30 through 31. This is the last two verses of Acts, and it kind of transitions the story a little bit for us. It says this, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Um, So it ends the gospel talking about how Paul, um, a lot of uh, scholars think that this is talking about the prison epistles. This is talking about when he was under house arrest, when he wrote Philippians, when he wrote Colossians, when he wrote Philemon, and this is talking about this, this period of time, which is interesting because it's not really the end of Paul's life story. Uh, Paul does a lot of ministry beyond that, uh, but it says some interesting things about how Paul evangelizes, how Paul teaches the gospel. He says, first of all, that he welcomed all who came to him. So it's very important to think about this. I think a lot of us um, kind of maybe forget about, maybe we look at Paul as someone who is just a harsh explainer of scripture. Maybe we look at him as a person without having emotions, but um, it says that he welcomed all who came to him, that he was a welcoming evangelist, that he was not a person who was um, shutting people out. He was not a person that he was giving of himself, that he was welcoming people in. And it says as he proclaimed the kingdom of God, which is exactly what he already did to the Jews, and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, which is exactly the two areas that he, pro- he proclaimed to the Jews. He proclaimed that the kingdom of God is here, that Jesus is king, that he has come down to earth, died on the cross for humanity, for salvation. And then it says as he preached with all boldness, and without hindrance. And we'll talk about this later, but this is an amazing example of Paul being someone who proclaims the gospel boldly because he knows that it's true. He knows in the confidence that he can have explaining the truth that can set the people free, that can bring about salvation for the world. So um, let's talk about this abrupt ending, though. So why does Acts end so abruptly? We here throughout history that Paul actually gave his life for Christ, that he was executed by the Romans because of his ministry work, because of his proclamation of the gospel. And some of us might be tempted to think, like, why didn't he end that way? There's more of the story that I want to hear. But we have to realize that Luke and Acts, especially Acts, they're not a story of the apostles, right? It's not a story of Peter. It's not a story of Paul. It's not a story of any of the other apostles, but it's a story. It's a, um, it's a narrative of salvation being proclaimed, right? It's salvation-centered. It's not people-centered. And so because it is salvation-centered, it ends centering around the salvation being proclaimed to the world. So um, we just have some final takeaways. After reading this example of evangelism through 
Paul. How can I personally tell people about Jesus? How can I tell my friends, tell my family about Jesus? And how can I follow this example of Paul? And so um, I have four final takeaways for us all. Um, just about evangelism, just about being a Bible explainer, being a gospel sharer. So the first one is that when the gospel is preached, rejection is common, right? We, we see the most qualified evangelist ever being rejected by the primary majority of the Jewish people. We see that Paul, he does his best, he's loving, he's intelligent, and yet the Jew, many of the Jewish leaders rejected the gospel message. And I want us to realize that some of us, we may not proclaim the gospel because we are afraid of rejection. What if someone rejects me? What if I look down upon? What if they say I'm stupid? What if I mess up? And the unfortunate reality is that that'll probably happen, right? It says here that rejection is common, that sometimes we mess up, that sometimes that we can do our very best and people will still not accept the gospel. People still will not see Christ as who he is. And so when we are a gospel preacher, we need to go into that knowing sometimes people reject the gospel and that we need to have that foreknowledge so that um, we can you know, do our jobs as evangelists correctly. So uh, the second thing is that re- uh, this is similar, but reception of the gospel is not in our hands. It is in God's hands, right? So if you are, um, maybe you have someone extremely close to you, like Paul did, where you want them to become Christians so badly, maybe you even idolize that. Maybe you think that anything I do, I will work as hard as I can until this person is saved. And that is a fair attitude to have as far as wanting so bad for someone to come to Christ. But we do need to understand it's not in our hands. It's not, uh, and someday maybe if you apply this message and you share the gospel with people, you may realize that you might fail at sharing the gospel and someone might still come to know Christ. You, You may see this happen. You may see you give the best gospel presentation ever and it won't be accepted. And that is something we need to realize is that we are called to preach the gospel, but the reception of it is not in our hands. Third point is that the good news of salvation must be preached in spite of circumstance. So uh, if you really read this passage, it's showing us that Paul is most likely um, coming to the end of his ministry, and he is inviting people over to his house, but it's not ideal circumstances for preaching the gospel. And I want us just to realize that we're called to be gospel preachers, whether, um, whether it's a good time in our lives. Like maybe, you know, maybe you might think I'm super busy. Maybe you think I'm struggling with my own faith. Maybe you think um, we, we make up excuses to not be evangelists. We make up excuses to not preach the gospel that we have received because we think my life is too busy. There's not a perfect time. And I want you guys to realize that how Paul preaches is he preaches that in spite of my circumstances, the gospel must be preached. The good news of the kingdom of God must be shared. And then fourthly is that we can have the confidence to proclaim the gospel boldly and without hindrance as Paul does in the end of this chapter. We, we, we can realize that the gospel, as we talk about in Romans 1.16, that we don't not be ashamed of it because it is the good news, and it is the truth, right? And so we are not preaching something that is a lie. If we taught something that was not true, that we were just trying to trick people, that we should be ashamed. We should be nervous. We should be not bold because we are not preaching the truth. But 
if you're preaching the gospel, you need to realize that this is 100% the truth. This is the truth that saves. This is the salvation for both Jew and Gentile. And so we can teach that without hindrance and without fear of not speaking the truth. So um, with that being said, let's just bow our heads and let's pray that we would understand this example of Paul and that we would apply it to our lives. Um, Dear Lord, thank you for this day. I thank you so much for giving us this example of Paul that we might know how to be a gospel preacher, Lord, how to be a Bible explainer, how despite our best efforts, sometimes people will not come to know you, Lord. So please help us realize that. Please help us be faithful people in sharing your gospel, Lord, despite of the outcome, despite of the circumstances, Lord. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.